Business Matters in association with ATU Donegal. If you're an owner or manager in a food production business, consider the new one-year Level 8 Higher Diploma in Food Business and Product Innovation. It's just one three-hour online lecture weekly. Call 918-6600 or email gary.mcgill at atu.ie. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. Later in the programme, I'll be chatting to Catherine Devine, who swapped a career in local journalism to set up her own business. My first guest this week is Letterkenny Chamber of Commerce Chief Executive Officer, Tony Forrester. Last week, Letterkenny Chamber revealed that sales of Shop LK cars for 2022 had exceeded €4 million. Euro. While delighted, Tony says she was somewhat surprised at the increase of €1 million euro compared to the figure for 2021. Tony, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Delighted to be here, Karen. Tony, Letterkenny Chambers Shop LK initiative topped the €4 million euro mark for 2022. I'm sure that's something that yourself and the Chamber are extremely proud of. Oh my God, this is such an achievement for us this year. We have, we've had other years where we've celebrated achievements, but we didn't expect it to grow so much between 2021 and 2022. When did Shop LK first begin? So we start, well before my time, the Chamber decided they, they used to do that thing called a shopping spree. Um, so in 2004, they decided to change that up and called it Shop LK. Um, shopping initiative, there was no vouchers or anything. And then in 2006, they added the voucher system. So that sort of grew, that sort of moseyed along for a, lo- a while with a lot of local businesses in it. Um, and then we... We rebranded around 2008 and it just started growing and growing. And during the recession, actually, it grew quite quite well. Our percentages were quite high. And part of that was because, um, you know, business was tough at the time. So over those years then, we've we've got better at it and better at it. And then when we moved to the, to the card system in 2015, it just started growing and growing more each year. So we've seen this year's growth was 34%. I think that's pretty huge. So that's going back to the 20, the figure for 2021 was, was just over 3 million. And that's uh, an increase of over a million. Um, do you find that hard to sort of take in when you're talking about millions in relation to a scheme like Shop LK? I personally do. Um, I remember when uh, way back in 2014, we reached 800,000. And we thought, oh, They'll never. It'll go over a million, but they'll never really do much more than that because you start thinking about the the population of Letterkenny and the amount of businesses. But it just just went on, and um, we 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 work hard at it, and we 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 put the brand out there a lot. Um, but this million this year, we definitely we had assumed in the office here that we might go up by maybe ten fifteen percent, um, and then the government very helpfully announced that there was the incentive that businesses can 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 get from the scheme was increasing from 500 to 1000 so that we thought oh yeah we'll go up a little bit more but definitely we didn't think a million so obviously employers bought into it big time they do they always have um but we've definitely seen an increase over the last few years of new employers that we hadn't known before um Businesses buy it for their staff, they buy it for their own business, and um, it, it, that, that's one of the biggest parts of, of the scheme for us. So tell me, Tony, why is Shop LK such a success? It's the local piece. It's, it's, it's purely, I suppose, we've always talked about it, that it protects local jobs, that it, that it spreads the money locally. You can't be in Shop LK if you're based somewhere outside Letterkenny. 
So it, it, it only has shops and other outlets that are based here. So if you think about somebody going into a shop and using a Shop LK gift card or a hotel to use Shop LK gift card, that money then circulates because it, it moves around. Um, we've always accepted in Shop LK the, 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 all the range of retail and outlets. Um, so um, some schemes in, in other towns might say we only do local, you know, we only have independence. We always accepted everyone. And that's how we've grown. So we have 240 businesses on the list. That's huge, you know, for a town this size. And um, people sort of say now, well, who doesn't take them rather than, rather than uh, you know, who does? Tell me, Tony, is there any data available in relation to the spending habits of those who use the Shopwell K-Card? We haven't done research ourselves, but we understand that when someone goes in, um, that they spend up to four times um, the value of the card. So uh, you might have somebody going in with a 20 euro card and they spend four times that possibly. So it's average. Now, I haven't said that we were looking at the card um, load, if you know what I mean, the amount of money goes on a card. I remember a, f- a number of years ago when I looked at it, it was around 70 euro per card purchased. Um, now it's around 150. So a business is extremely happy to sell a card and they're even happier to see the person come back and the cash is in again because they're going to spend a good bit more. Businesses love to see the cards coming in. Um, and at certain times of the year, you've got cards with 500 or 1,000 loaded on them. So, so there's a spending habit around that as well. Um, people use them for all kinds of variety of, of, of things. So our businesses love accepting them. Uh, it's been a challenge in a few years, Tony. And how big a boost has the Shop LK initiative been to businesses over the last two or three years over that COVID time? Well, that was interesting because, uh, again, I thought we weren't open. We were open and then we were closed like everyone else. And we were worried that that, that that would affect our sales. But actually, because people couldn't see people, they were buying them for presents, particularly at Christmas. So our sales in 2020 were really pretty good in 2021. So because people felt a card, they could give a card to someone where they couldn't go and buy a present or they didn't have time to go and buy a present with the, with the shops not being so open. they were staying loyal and, and, and shopping local? Absolutely. And COVID proved all of that to us all. You know, we saw that when we had to do click and collect on businesses, people were really keen to shop with their local retailer. Now, that's across the county. We saw that. Um, you know, people who use maybe their local grocer who would deliver for them at the time. So all of that local um, goodwill, I think, is reflected through Shop LK as well. Tony, there are a number of agencies who help keep the show on the road here. Can you maybe talk to me a wee bit uh, about those agencies? Yeah, we really wouldn't have um, brought, I think, Shop LK to, to the height it has without some of the support we get. So this, the main support, one of the main supports, sorry, is uh, Donegal County Council, who give us some financial support in terms of how we market Letterkenny or promote Letterkenny as a retail destination. That's so helpful for our brand. Um, and we really... Um, we've always been, we've always acknowledged that support. We also, um, most people don't know, our, our office here is supported by the Department of um, Social Protection, uh, who we run a community employment scheme. So a lot of our staff, who most of the staff who sell the vouchers or sell the gift cards, um, RCE program uh, staff. And without them, again, we wouldn't have a full-time office and we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to, to keep up with the demand. Uh, you mentioned the promotion uh, of the scheme. Uh, you're obviously selling the, the message extremely well. Uh, 
we think we are we hope we are um, but that's reflected in our sales but also we want people to know that Letterkenny exists and it's got a fabulous retail experience definitely I suppose after COVID and everything people maybe don't um, maybe come to we, we know the people across the county come to Letterkenny because it's um, it's got everything you'd really need and Letterkenny's a fabulous place with you know it's, it's just got all the retail that you could ever want in a small city and we're only a town so we've definitely got that message out there um, also our sales we definitely can see sales reflected throughout the county you know so we have people from across the county buying shop okay gift cards for their staff because they recognize that their staff maybe will come into Letterkenny to shop Letterkenny Chamber appointed Marie Shields as a business development executive back in September Tony uh, a positive and progressive step for the chamber it's been really hugely positive for us so Marie concentrates on um, new membership and engagement of members it has, it's been fabulous and we are, we are delighted with the results so far we've had um, in our last year we had over 30 maybe 37 new members that's huge for the, for the Chamber of Commerce what it's allowed us to do is concentrate on those kind of elements Marie's got great skills in social media as well um, so this year we'll see more events happening with the Chamber we'll see definitely more engagement with our members and um, that's all down to that appointment which it took a few years for the Chamber to decide to do it and we're delighted and finally Tony as we head into 2023 what are your hopes and expectations for the year ahead yeah I haven't talked to some businesses. There's a fair amount of optimism out there. I think we were caught, we, we were all thinking we have to be doom and gloom, but there's pressure on businesses and it's tough. But I think our expectations are that um, you know things will be okay and we will work hard. Everybody will work hard this year to to make Letterkenny uh, as good as it can be, and all the other agencies and ourselves, you know, and the council promoting Letterkenny and Donegal. Sorry, as as a county. Um, it's seen as a good place to do business and I can't see that changing so we'll, we'll just keep on flying the flag for Donegal Tony Forrester CEO of the Rikini Chamber of Commerce thanks for joining us on Business Matters Thank you Kieran. Join us after the break when we'll be talking to the founder of Pumpskins Catherine Devine Are you an owner or manager within a food production business? ATU Donegal will support you with its one year level 8 higher diploma in food business and product innovation future-proof your operations by completing one three-hour online lecture weekly, all while working your normal schedule. Contact the Work-Based Learning Program Development Manager on 91-866-00 or email gary.mcgill at atu.ie. You're welcome back. In 2020, local journalist Catherine Devine decided to quit her role with the Donegal News to invest all of her working time into her company, Pumpskins. Pumpskins makes silicon gel covers for diabetes equipment such as insulin pumps and glucose monitoring systems. Catherine has lived with type 1 diabetes since 2013 and has considerable insight into what people with the condition need. Pumpskins has distribution partnerships in 16 countries from South America, across Europe and the Middle East and this week the Donegal company will launch on a new American platform. Catherine, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Thanks very much, Kieran. Catherine, tell me, why did you decide to leave a career in journalism after 16 years and set up your own company? So, Kieran, it goes back to 2013. Um, I was pregnant and diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Um, I was told that once I'd had my baby that it would go away and I'd be fit and healthy. 
um, but it didn't. I then got a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes, um, which is a, a chronic illness. It's a life-changing condition. It's something I knew absolutely nothing about. Um, but obviously having a new baby, I didn't really get much time to think about it. It was just something that I had to get on with. So I managed it with um, insulin injections every day, finger pricks, checking my blood sugars, and just got on with life um, and tried to build my life back around having this diagnosis. Um, but it came to 2018 and having a full-time job, being a full-time mother, um, and just trying to manage the stress of life got too much and my health started to suffer. Um, so I knew that I had to, to take a step back and I knew that I wanted to start doing something and working for myself. So I started looking online. You know, I started thinking about things that I could do to, to work for myself. And everything that I read, everything I came up against said, you'll only be successful if you do something that you're passionate about. So it, then it, it, it hit me that I had been complaining for years about the lack of good quality accessories for people with type 1 diabetes. I'd been looking online for things, um, just different things to make my day a bit easier um, or to make life with diabetes a bit more fun, and I couldn't really find that much. So in 2018, I was also given an insulin pump. Um, I moved from injections to an insulin pump. And this was amazing technology. Um, I was a bit reluctant to accept it at the start because I didn't really want to be attached to something all the time. I, I thought it might make me feel that there was something wrong with me. Sorry, Catherine, is there a huge difference between the pump and the injection? Yeah, a massive difference. So the pump is connected to you um, 24-7. You have to change the, the tubing every three days, um, but you have to physically have the pump with you. Whereas injections, uh, the majority of people would just carry a, like an insulin pen around with them and change the needles and inject whenever whenever they have to. Um, so when you have a pump, it's it's with you all the time. Now, it makes a lot of the decisions. It makes a lot of the management much easier. Um, but it's um, it's something that a lot of people do tend to hide away. Um, they're maybe embarrassed for people to, to, to see their pump or to look at it because the pump has to be, you know, it's, it's not the, the tiniest thing I and mean, it's not huge, but it's often on display unless you've got it in a pocket. Um, so some people can feel insecure. So when I had this pump, it was black and it was just sort of, boring looking and people often sort of would give me funny looks if they saw it clipped onto my waistband um so i actually happened to be getting a new phone um back in 2000 late in 2018 and i saw all of these different cover choices for for phones now phones cost hundreds of euro insulin pumps and diabetes tech costs thousands of euro and it got me thinking you know if you've got a cover for a phone and you've got all of these options but yet you've got a device attached to you that's life-saving, life-changing. Um, there's not that much there by way of protection or even decoration. So that's when I started thinking about um, really setting up my own business, um, doing something with insulin pumps and diabetes technology. Um, that's where the idea came from. So realising that uh, phones needed funky phone covers... Was that your late bill moment in terms of 
the covers you were looking for for your own equipment? Well, it, it was because I've always been someone, I've always liked to have nice accessories. I've always liked handbags or jewellery. Um, and like I say, an insulin pump is something that you have attached to you 24-7. So why not make it stand out? You know, why not make it colourful or why not do something with it to, to take that worry away of damaging it? Because even though it's connected to you with a tube, it can still get dropped, it can still get scratched, it can still get knocked. Um, so I started thinking about the best way to, to make covers for it. Um, and I, I thought that, you know, started looking at what was available out there. Um, and I realised that there was very little available for insulin pumps. And then I, I thought, well, why is no one doing this? It seems like such a simple idea. So I really started doing some research into what was available. I started doing patent searches. I started doing everything. And then I started looking for manufacturers. Um, and I started looking for manufacturers in Ireland, in the UK, in Europe. Um, and I nearly wrote the business off because none of them wanted to work with me. They wanted huge minimum order quantities, you know, maybe 10,000 pieces of one color. Um, and the costs were absolutely prohibitive. Um, so fortunately, I've got quite a lot of family experience in China. And my mother, Mary Kate, had lived out there for years. My uncle had businesses out there for for years. Um, and China at one point became something of a second home to me. So it was somewhere that I was very familiar with. And I knew how to do business out there. I had done a lot of business. I'd helped a lot of people um, with different interactions over there before. So I got on a plane. I went to China and I had some manufacturers lined up. Um, and I went to meet with them all. Um, and there was one in particular that I really liked. Uh, the factory, it was a big factory. It was a big family-owned factory. But they understood exactly what I was saying to them, you know, that I was a small startup. But I explained what I was doing. And they saw the potential. And they were quite happy to work with the small order quantities that I needed just to get up and running. And I said, you know, look, if you trust me, then I will repay your trust in a very short space of time. And fortunately, I've been able to do that. And I have got an excellent relationship with my manufacturer. So 2018 was when you decided to do the spade work. 2020 was the year you decided to uh, end your career uh, with the Donegal News. How big a decision was that for you at the time, Catherine? It was a huge decision, Kieran, because I think there is safety in traditional employment. There's safety in knowing that you're going into an office and that someone's going to be paying your wages at the end of the month. But then you've got to balance that with the other side of, you know, trying to just look after your family, um, look after things at home. My husband, Sean's a farmer. I'm helping him on the farm. So there was so much going on. And at one point, even though I knew that I wanted to work for myself, I thought there's absolutely no way that I can leave this job because it would be completely irresponsible of me to take this leap of faith. But I got support from Sean. I got support from people around me. And I knew that this was something I could do. Um, was it the fact that it needed your full focus uh, for it to succeed? Um, I think so. I, it's something that I, I definitely couldn't have done as well as, as having a, a full-time job being paid by somebody else. Um, but it was just something that I knew I had to do at the time. And the timing was right. 
but what I did do is I went to the local enterprise office because I knew that I knew a lot about type 1 diabetes. I knew a lot about what I wanted to do. I knew absolutely nothing about being in business, not a thing. And that was very daunting um, because when you've come from a career of, of, you know, more than 16 years in journalism, business isn't really something that, that I'd ever thought about because I, I started working um, originally with a Democrat not that long after I'd come out of university. So, and that was my first job. So I didn't have any experience of business. So I went to the local enterprise office. And when I say that all of this happened at the right time, just a couple of months after I launched the website back in the summer of 2020, someone sent me a, a link to an ad from Donegal Leo for a new program that they were running called the Ambition Program, which was specifically for women entrepreneurs. So I looked at the ad and I laughed. I was like, oh, no, no, that's not for me. No, no, that's for people who know what they're doing. But again, I have some very good friends who said, look, apply for this. You'll definitely get it. You know, this is exactly what, what you need. So I did. I, I got a place on the very first ambition program, um, which was organized by uh, Michael Tunney and Brenda Hegarty. And the program itself was run by Helen Fullen, um, who has gone on to become an incredible mentor um, and friend over the last couple of years and is now on, I think, the third ambition cohort. But ambition was a pioneering program in Ireland and it really threw you in at the deep end. I mean, this was a really high-level program. You were thrown in, being given information about what you needed to develop a good business plan, but you were also being introduced to high-level connections that were helping to drive your business on. But the most important part of that program for me was being with 11 other women who were all in the same boat, who were all in the same stage on their business journey, because being an entrepreneur is often very lonely, you know, with the best will in the world. There's only so many times that my family or my husband or my children want to listen about my business. You know, they're all very proud of what I'm doing, but do they want to hear every single little bit about my day and what it's taking to build my business? Whereas what I found being part of a network of women who all had similar problems is that it was easy to reach out to them with a text message or an email to get the answers or to, to just get that confidence boost that you need at that very early stage of your journey. So there was a sort of a sense of team uh, at work there in that program? There, there, there really was. And even now with, with a lot of them. Um, and like I say, Helen Fullen has gone on to be a great mentor Um and I found that when I'm on programs like that, because I then moved on to the Empower Start program, which was through Galway and Mayo IT. And again, that was another group of women entrepreneurs all on the same journey. And on each program that I've done so far, I've been developing my business plan. I've been learning more about what it takes to build a successful business. And that was imperative for me at the start. I didn't want to run before I could walk. So I wanted to take that time. I, I knew the potential of the business that I had, but I wanted to educate myself. I wanted to make sure that every decision I was making was the right one. So being part of 
those groups and those programs has been an invaluable asset to me um, because then I got on to New Frontiers, which was brilliant because, again, back to timing, at the stage I started New Frontiers, um, I had done so much of the groundwork through the other programs that I was really able to refine what I was doing. And it made me see very clearly that I needed to change my business model. So, for example, when I first launched the website, I was probably overly confident. And I thought, I'm going to have this amazing website. I'm going to have incredible social media. And everyone's going to buy all of these covers. And my business will be thriving in no time. And it didn't happen like that. But the interesting thing that did happen is that very quickly after launching the website and the Instagram page, I mean, within two weeks, I was approached by wholesale customers. So existing companies in other countries who are selling different brands of accessories for people with type 1 diabetes. So one of my very first wholesale customers was a company in the UK um, called Diabetic Supply. And they have gone on to become one of my biggest champions um, and great supporters. But it was interesting to see the number of wholesale businesses that were coming to me. So I then realized, and by the time I got on to, to phase two of New Frontiers, that actually the direct-to-consumer sales weren't going to be the biggest part of the business at that stage. And also because I had to be conscious that it was just me in the business, did that surprise you? It, it did surprise me, yeah. Because, I, I, again, not knowing a huge amount about business, I didn't really understand how these things worked. But now that I'm two and a bit years down the line, I know that it's much easier to pack a box with 200 covers and send it off to one place than it is to sit and pack 200 envelopes and send them off to, to different places. Just like, Catherine, the pandemic was, we were about four or five months into the pandemic when you decided to set up your own company? Was it a good time for you at that stage to do that and for your business? It was, Kieran, because it didn't put me under any pressure. And like I say, I wanted to do it all slowly. I, I know that this is a long-term thing. I know that um, I, I have a vision for where I want my business to be. So I thought what was important to me was to take the time to really set it on solid foundations. Um, you know, not to try and be everything to everybody, but to... to build it slowly and gradually and that's what I've been doing and would I be right in, in suggesting that the help that you got uh, through the, through those different programs was, was really crucial for you it, it really was Kieran um, and there were other women who were on the programs with me who had incredible ideas and so many of them are now going on to have successful businesses but it's because of the way particularly the ambition program at the very start it like I say, it threw me in at the deep end. It made me unthink everything I'd thought about being in business and running a business. But by deconstructing everything and looking at all of the parts of the business, I was then able to start building it back up and putting a really comprehensive business plan in place. Can you talk to me a wee bit about your products, Catherine? So currently we've got four products. Our main products are silicon covers for insulin pumps and glucose monitoring systems. 
they come in a range of different colors we've got glittery ones we've got glow-in-the-dark ones we're the only people in the world manufacturing glow-in-the-dark ones and you might think oh that's cool but actually it goes a bit further than that because for a lot of people who need to check their blood sugars during the night or for a lot of parents who need to go in and check their child's insulin pump or their um the reader for their blood sugar monitor they need to be able to do that easily during the night time. So our covers are really helping people to do that. But the the one thing that differentiates us from the competitors that we have is that we're really taking a fashion-led approach. You know, we want to have functional products that are also fashionable. There, there are lots of different types of insulin pumps. There are different brands. There are different brands of glucose monitoring systems. So the one I was most familiar with was Medtronic, which is the brand of insulin pump that I use. Um, I also knew a lot of people who were using the Freestyle Libra flash glucose monitor system that's made by Abbott's. And again, price was obviously a consideration. I could only afford to get two molds made. So I went with the Medtronic insulin pump cover and the Abbott Freestyle Libra reader cover. And actually, <laughs> quite a, a an interesting thing happened because... I was busy. I really wanted to get this business off the ground. I wanted to work for myself. And I learned a very, very expensive, but a very valuable lesson actually at that early stage because I got the samples made. So I told the manufacturer everything that we needed, sent all of the dimensions and information. And he sent me back the samples. So I had the sample of the Medtronic cover, which I was able to use myself. And I had given the um, Freestyle Libra cover samples to seven or eight people that I knew that were using them and the feedback was all fantastic everybody who used it said these are amazing we love it there are so many benefits we can find it in our handbag it makes it easier to hold um it protects the device you know it stops it getting scratched which was great until I sold the first wholesale order to our partners in the UK so they came back and oh, I'd sent them samples actually and they came back and they said we absolutely love the Medtronic covers but we're a bit concerned that the Freestyle Libra covers are coming off at the corners so I said well look we've tested these you know with with a lot of people who use them and they've all said they haven't got any problem with them but then when I started to look at them more I could see exactly how they were slipping off at the corners so I thought, right, my business is finished before it's even started. No one's going to want to use these. I can't even sell them. So when I received the email from the company in the UK, I thought, there's only one thing I can do here. So I got back to them and I said, thank you very much for letting me know. I'm really disappointed to hear this. But obviously, I'm not going to expect you to buy something that you're not happy with. So what I'm proposing to do is go back to our manufacturer, rework the mold, and I'll have new samples with you within three weeks. So an email came back from them and they said, thank you very much, Catherine. We're really impressed with the professional way that you've dealt with this. Please let us know what we can do to help you to really get these right because we love your brand, we love your business and we love what you're doing here. So we want to help you in any way that we can. So I did exactly that and got the improved covers, have been selling hundreds of them ever since. But I learned a very, very valuable and like I say, expensive lesson not to trust people that you know. 
because you're not going to get an objective answer. You're going to get the answer that they think they're going to keep you happy with. So have you changed uh, your style of testing since? Absolutely. Everything that we do now, I send out to independent people that I've never met before. And what is the difference in, in the feedback? I get constructive feedback. I get um, the good and the bad. Now, I have to say that the bad has been quite minimal because it's made me more conscientious, you know, when I'm de- designing products and developing products. But you wanted to hear that? Yes, but now I want to hear, I actually don't want to hear what's good. I want to hear what's bad about about what we're designing and what we're making. And the only way to do that is to have a, an independent testing panel um, and a customer advisory panel. And we've um, established quite a, a good one now at this point. Catherine, can you tell me uh, about, the, about the worldwide market that you're exporting to now? So diabetes is a, a global problem. Um, globally, there are about 537 million people who have both type 1 and type 2. Um, now they estimate that 10% have type 1. So we, we have a, a huge market. Um, but even when you break that down even further diabetes tech the likes of insulin pumps and glucose monitors are now becoming more accessible than they they have before you know the development of these products is um it just accelerated so much so we have we have customers potentially all across the world and what our our aim is is to have retail partners in all of the countries that this technology is available. But the other thing we want to do then is to have a really strong online presence because I know I said to you earlier on that the the bulk of our business currently is wholesale. Uh, There is a huge opportunity there to grow the direct-to-consumer sales through the website. And for example, platforms like TikTok, social media, there's a whole generation of younger people with with type 1 diabetes who are really owning the condition you know they're proud to show off these devices they they're they're telling their stories online and if you look at the likes of tiktok alone you search for for insulin pump hashtag 1.6 billion views you know it's it's incredible how much things have changed in in the last five years are you surprised uh, at the power of social media I am. I mean, often social media can be a negative thing, but I think particularly from my own experience, when I was diagnosed, I didn't know what type 1 diabetes was. You know, I'd I'd heard about type 2, but I didn't really know what it was like to to live with with a chronic illness. Just going back to that time that you you were uh, diagnosed, how big a surprise or how big a shock was it for you at that time, Catherine? Um, It wasn't... I think because I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes when I was pregnant, um, and I have to, to really commend Letterkenny Hospital up here and Professor Fidelma Dunn, who comes up from Galway to, well, she used to, um, to look after the, the women who are diagnosed with gestational diabetes, because now it's becoming quite common for, for women to have gestational diabetes. But for 99% of them, as soon as they've had the baby, it goes away. But having done more research, and like I was saying about social media, a lot of things became clearer to me about my diagnosis, having met people online. So my doctors believe that um, 
I actually had a virus before I was pregnant and that's what triggered my type 1. It just ha- so happened that it was picked up while I was pregnant. Um, and because I was pregnant, they thought it was gestational diabetes, but it turned out that it was, it was type 1. Um, now, I think for my friends and my family, it was more of a shock because you know, the reaction I got was, oh, that's awful. You know how you're going to have to in- inject insulin every day. You're going to have to just... But the way I looked at it is that I had no choice. It, it was something that I wasn't going to be able to get rid of. So it was something that I had to learn to live with. And the one thing that I wanted to know from all of the medical people that I spoke to was what I could do to make a difference to my health and to my future. And all of them told me that with the right effort, with the right management, that it was quite possible for me to live a life no different to anyone that doesn't have type 1 diabetes. Now, I don't want to sound flippant saying that because day-to-day life with type 1 is, is tough. You know, people, a lot of people with type 1 don't outwardly show that. They just get on with it. But your day is, is numbers. Your day is constantly thinking about your health, about your blood sugars, about counting carbohydrates, about worrying if you go to sleep at night, are you going to wake up in the morning? And that's the truth. And a lot of people don't realize the difference between type 1 and type 2. You know, they're completely different conditions. Um, and one of the things that I want to do with pump skins is raise awareness about type 1 um, and to make people who aren't confident with their diagnosis, to make them feel more confident. Um, because people see you with an insulin pump or, you know, more recently a lot of people have continuous glucose monitors like Dexcoms or Freestyle Libras and they're on their arm and people, the general public, don't understand what these are for um, but it's it's a tough condition to live with but like I say, for me, I've got no choice so that's why a huge part of what I'm doing with the business is about making life easier for people people with type 1, um, for caregivers of people with type 1. And actually, it's really interesting to, to see, because unless you're touched directly or indirectly by type 1 diabetes, you have no idea how tough it is to live with that. And all of the businesses that we're working with, from Colombia to Kuwait, they are all founded and started either by the parents of children with type 1 or by adults with type 1 who know that having products and accessories made specifically to make life easier is what's going to make a difference to people. Tell me, after 16 years and a few newsrooms, do you miss the buzz of a newsroom? I do, I do. I think I really miss the characters that we used to have. But actually, when I started, and I I, I first started off in an office with you, Kieran back just um, opposite Dunn Stores, there were people that would come in every week that you'd look forward to coming in. You know, you'd learn so much about what was going on in Letterkenny, you know, across Donegal. And obviously, I grew up in London, um, but my mother was from Lower Main Street. And I moved back to, to Letterkenny, oh gosh, in 1999, because I had more of an affinity with Ireland than I did with England. You know, I love growing up in London, but... I wanted to come back here because I just thought there was a real sense of community and 
it was the best decision I ever made. You know, I, I absolutely love living here now. I wouldn't go back to London. I mean, like going back for a couple of days, but no, I, I couldn't imagine living over there. So yeah, newsrooms working in the newspaper industry back then was so different to how it's been in recent years. You know, you were out two, three days out of five meeting people, talking to people. And it was always when you were out to get one story that you'd come back with four or five more. Um, or you'd have the people that were were calling in to, you know, to, to have the crack in the, in the newsroom. But I think, well, Kieran, one of the, the, the most important things was, um, and then I know I went on to work for the Donegal News with the people that I was working with. You know, I was so fortunate to have such a great group of colleagues. And I think you'll agree that the, the industry, the, the journalism sector here is and was second to none. And all of us worked together well, irrespective of what publication or who we were working for. You've covered many stories during the years. I suppose as a question I would like to ask you, is there a story that stands out in your mind that, uh, above all others? There are so many stories, Kieran, but I think one of the, the stories that I most enjoyed working on were stories that were making a difference to people. So obviously I don't want to name names, but one of the stories that really impacted me the most was a, a man who suffered from chronic pain and he was being denied medical treatment in Dublin. He was being sent up to Dublin every week um, and not getting the treatment that he needed. But by being able to make you know, press requests and to try and advocate on his behalf or speak to the relevant people, he was able to get the treatment that he needed. So it was those smaller stories that were directly making people's lives better. Those are the ones that stick with me the most. You're entering the second half of your third year in business. How are plans coming along? Are you, are you ahead of schedule? Um, yes, it's amazing, actually. We're, we're very excited because, like I say, the last two years have been slow in getting all the bits of the, the jigsaw put in place. Um, and now I feel that they're all really coming together. So, yeah, there's, there's an awful lot happening. We are launching on a new American platform next week, which is really exciting. It's going to really give us a big... Um, foot in the door in America because we haven't really touched that market yet. We have had a collaboration. One of um, my biggest inspirations in terms of diabetic accessory businesses is a Californian-based company called Myabetic, and they make handbags um, with specific organizing compartments for people with type 1 diabetes. And last year, one of their co-founders sent me an email saying, we love your products, we'd love to have them on our website. And I thought, no, this has to be a scam. This is someone just, you know, pulling my leg. But to cut a very long story short, I got back to her and they were indeed um, interested in collaborating with us. So we launched the Myobetic and Pumpskins collaboration and that was our first foot in the door in America. And that was very successful. But now we really want to get our products to as many people as possible in America um, so yeah, we're launching on this platform next week. Um, we are getting ready to take on more staff. Uh, we've recently employed a social media manager, which has been excellent. Um, we're 
hopefully taking someone on in terms of fulfillment within the next couple of months. And I'll be taking someone on on the admin side in the next couple of weeks. So that'll be three jobs along with your own, which is four? Yeah, um, which is great. And that's what I wanted from the start. And I remember in one of the very, very early stages, I happened to be, I'm not going to say where it was or who it was because I don't want to identify anyone, but I was in a room and there was a man there and he was always also starting his own business. And he looked at me and he said, well, I don't understand what she's doing here because she's just buying products in China and selling them on. How did that go in? Um, not very well. I think I was the only person that, that answered him, but I was, I was quite taken aback, but I was quite angry as well. So I said to him, or I thought I'm not really going to entertain him too much. I'm just going to get on with running my business and doing what I want to do. Um, because that couldn't be further from the truth. My vision for the business from the start has been to to have a, a leading global business based in Donegal that can create local employment. Um, but I want to learn from not the mistakes that I had, you know, in my careers in the past, but as a as a mother, as someone who has a busy life, I want to be able to to have a, a company that supports other people who were in the same boat that I was. You know, I want to have a sort of thriving, vibrant place for people to work, but somewhere that people enjoy working. And I think in, in Donegal, we are so lucky to have the supports that we have. You know, it's really a great place to start a business. So it's exciting now to be in a position to be starting to take people on um, because I, I, I see exactly where, where the business is going. Um, and I want to, you know, hopefully employ um, 10 people within the next three years. That's, that's the plan anyway. Catherine Devane, founder of Pumpskins. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. You're welcome. Thanks very much, Kieran. Well, that's our lot for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guests, Tony Forrester and Catherine Devane. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, Drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with ATU Donegal. If you're an owner or manager in a food production business, consider the new one-year Level 8 Higher Diploma in Food Business and Product Innovation. It's just one three-hour online lecture weekly. Call 918 or email gary.mcgill at atu.ie.